Hello and welcome to another episode of Sounds Like Comics, the podcast devoted to all things comic books in movies and TV. I'm Luke. My guest today is Nathan. Welcome to the podcast. Hello, thanks for having me. Today's topic, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Out of the Shadows, the sequel to Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles from 2014. The film follows the Ninja Turtles who, after defeating the Shredder, must face an even bigger foe, the dreaded Krang. This is your warning. We will be talking spoilers. And Nathan, I've brought you back on for this episode because you are the biggest fan I know of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Cowabunga. Yes, I am. Question for you, though, before we get into this. Yep. Have you watched Mutant Mayhem yet? No. Which is polarizing, being a fan of the Turtles, but I will. Okay, good. I just wanted to check. The last time we spoke, you still hadn't seen it. I watched it. I took my youngest to see it. We both thoroughly enjoyed it, but I know that you had a few hang-ups before seeing it. So we'll talk again after you've seen it. This is a different thing, though. This yeah, is... I'm, I'm, I'm warming to it, so I, I guess I'll watch it and I'll get back to you and let you know what I thought. Okay, cool. This film was released on June 3rd, 2016 by Paramount Pictures. The film received generally mixed reviews from critics, with some deeming it a slight improvement over its predecessor. However, it was a box office bomb and grossed only $245 million against a $135 million budget, resulting in a planned third film being scrapped in favour of an animated reboot which was released on August 2nd, 2023, but here we are, date of recording, January 21st, 2024, and you, Nathan, still have not seen the animated reboot, but once you've seen it, we'll talk about it. Yeah, we'll do an episode dedicated to it. Already covered, my friend. Uh, we did a full review for that film, Stu, back when it was Scratch in release. That, then. You know, Scratch when that. everybody but you was watching it I've at the seen cinema. It. <laughs> yeah, because of my bias, but I guess I was to get over it and go see it. I think you'll watch it and you'll be pleasantly surprised. Yeah, and I'll be like, why did I wait? <laughs> what was I waiting for? Yeah. It's reminding me when you were so reluctant to watch Matt Reeves' The Batman with Robert Pattinson, and then oh. you watched it, and then you wouldn't stop telling me how much you loved it. <laughs> wasn't, that the biggest, it. wasn't that the biggest <laughs> in my face ever? It could be. Maybe not to that extent, but what they've done mm. with Mutant Mayhem, it, it's a great film, but you know what? We're not here to talk about that. We're here no, we're to not. talk about Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Out, of, Out the of the Shadows. This movie was directed by Dave Green. After making his directorial debut with the 2014 film Earth to Echo, he went on to direct other films such as this one and later the Warner Brothers Pictures film, Coyote vs. Acme, which is interesting oh, wow. because that movie, although finished, hasn't been released. Animation, wow. live-action hybrid, John Cena is in there, while a Coyote, Roadrunner, but it got caught up in that whole Warner Brothers thing. You know where they decided oh, wow. to have Batgirl be a write-off, not release it, and then various other things were included in that tax write-off, and one of those films was 
Coyote versus Acme. But apparently, oh man, what a shame! What a shame. They're looking at other studios to give it a distribution, but that's Dave Green. They're the movies that he has worked on. This film kind of looks, or it does look like that first movie for the most part. But with this one, they've clearly gone, do you know what? Let's just lean into the cartoon. Yes, we're going to keep it live action, but this feels like, oh, man, a love letter to that cartoon. When did that come out? Was that 87? Yeah, 86, 87, 88. I want to say it was about 87. I think you're right. Oh, around about there. And I was definitely a young kid. Yeah, Yeah, yeah. And we both grew up on that. I know you read the comics first, then the cartoon. For me, I'm a little bit younger than you are. The the cartoon came first. Mm. But everything I really enjoyed about that cartoon, I got as far as saying loved about that cartoon. They really tried to incorporate it into this. It's a lot more lively, a lot more fun than what that first movie was. But at the same time, the characterizations are carried over from that first film. So tonally, it is a bit of a shift, but not a drastic departure from that first film. But the characters still feel like the characters. It sits in a weird place, doesn't it? Because it's it's paying tremendous homage and lip service to the cartoon, the 80s cartoon, as you say, but it's also trying to be this carryover thing from the from the first uh, Michael Bay Turtles movie, live-action Turtles movie. So it sits in a very strange place where it's, it's sort of straddling two worlds. With the cast, we've got voice actors and motion capture. In some cases, one person is doing both, but in other cases, there's two people playing the same character. But that's not unheard of. They did that with the original Turtles movies too. Yeah, no, that is that is true. But if we go back to that first Turtles movie, the Michael Bay produced one. Yep. Leonardo, like the motion capture was Pete Plozek, and the voice of Leonardo was Joy Knoxville. Knoxville was not brought back for this movie. And according to Knoxville, he said he wasn't asked. Oh, wow. Interesting. I don't know what happened there, but in this movie, uh, Pete is both the motion capture and the voice of Leonardo, who we all know is the leader and the oldest of the turtles who wields Mm. a pair of katana in battle. What a shame. I thought Knoxville was, wasn't too bad at all. I thought, I thought it was he fine. But when right voice. I know, but when you look at voice voice actors over the years, like I think back to a couple of years ago now, we had that TV series iteration of Turtles, and Leonardo was voiced by Jason Biggs. I was going to say, I like, really? Jim from American Pie? <laughs> I know he's an actor, and he's got range and everything. But anyway, we've got Knoxville. It was great. I liked him as Leo as well. Yeah, but we've got Knoxville in the first movie. He didn't come back. One of my favorites here, right? And it's going outside of Turtles. I've Mm. known this actor since Smallville, where he played Arthur Curry, Aquaman. Alan Richardson as Raphael. The strong mm. brother who wields a pair of Psy in battle. 
He's currently Jack Reacher in the Amazon oh, Prime TV go. series. Wow. Second season has now aired in its entirety. Season three is confirmed. He is phenomenal as Jack Reacher. He was in the latest Fast and Furious movie, Fast X. And again, I mentioned he was Aquaman in Smallville. Mm. I really voice of Raph. like wow. Richson. And, well, he's both the voice and the motion capture. Oh, wow. So that's it's completely him in the role. Unfortunately, he did not want to return as Raphael after having an unhappy experience making the first movie. What a shame. He was bound by his contract to do so. Not great for him, but I personally appreciate him coming back because he's Raph's such a cool character. I always grew up being a big fan of Leonardo, and that will yeah. always stay with me. Again, I've said it before on the podcast. My favorite color is blue. And my yeah. initial is L. So I was always yeah, so it works well. Yeah, Leonardo. I mean, I've probably said it before as well, but my first turtles figurine back in the day was Raph. I I wanted Mike Michelangelo to be my first figure so so badly, and I was hunting and chasing for Mikey, but I ended up getting Raph first, then Mike, and then the other two, Leo and Donnie. And that's it, like. But whatever, whatever he's behind it, like your initial connection or whatever, uh, when it comes to a yeah. new character or so yeah, so Leonardo, but Raphael, always such a cool character. Uh, the way that he was portrayed in that first Turtles movie, the live action one in 1990, a bit of a loner. Mm-hmm. He came together with the family. He's always been such a cool character. And I mean, somebody yeah. like Alan Richardson, I think goes a long way for portraying that oh, character, yeah. especially yeah. when, You've got an you've got an actor who's buried under motion capture. Yeah, and I think what's interesting about these new films is, well, more recent films, I should say, is that the the dimension, the 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 depth of physicality, the the sense of physicality it brings to the role of the turtles. When you look at the early versions of the turtles, they all look the same, same kind of height, same kind of uh, sort of uh, look physically, musculature, and all that. With this, with these iterations of the turtles, we're getting turtles that look completely different from each other. Raph is hulking and huge. Mikey's not too big. Donnie's the thin, slender, nerdy one. Leo is pretty big and built too, but Raph is so physically imposing. He's like a big brawler and, that, and a bruiser, and that's kind of like who he really is. It goes well with his hot-headed temperament. Yeah, it is good to have that distinction. It makes sense. Mm. With those 90s movies, Jim Henson, what they did, like the puppetry, the mo- you know, the costumes mm. were really good. They were you know, great. For, they were good. For the time, yes. but to tell them apart, it was the eye mask. Like the it was the masks. That's the masks. It. Whereas yeah. regardless of the colour of the masks, you can see or you can distinct, you know, distinct who's different physical features. Absolutely. We have Jeremy Howard as Donatello, the smart brother known for his scientific and technological expertise who build equipment and machinery for the turtles and who wields a bow staff in battle. We got the turtle van, which is cool as hell. Like, you know, oh, yeah. Whenever and it's the old school turtle van as well. Whenever this movie leans into the cartoon, I'm yep. happy. We have. Noel Fisher as Michelangelo, the youngest brother known for his pranks and jokes, and who wields a pair of nunchucks in battle. So that's the that's the main four. We have Splinter, 
motion capture, it is Peter D. Badalamenti, and the voice of Splinter is Tony Shalhoub. Mm. Who I do like. He was in the TV series Monk for the longest Monk, time. Yeah. They brought it back for like a one-off movie on Peacock in the US. He's really good as the tech officer good. in Galaxy Quest, which I recently oh, watched again. He's really good in that. And just he's got a calming voice as yeah. Splinter. It, uh, it said, yeah, absolutely. You totally buy him as Splinter. He's got that fatherly, sage-like wisdom to him. Absolutely, and he is the adoptive father and sensei of the Turtles. Mm -hmm. His motion capture was previously performed by Danny Woodburn in the first movie, so they've changed that up for the sequels. There's been some slight changes, not too drastic. Gary Anthony Williams as Anton Bebop Zek, a criminal partner of Rocksteady who was genetically mutated into a warthog. Williams also portrays Bebop's human form pre-mutation. Mm. I remember loving the cartoon. We got Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2 Secret of the Ooze. No yep. Bebop and Rocksteady always felt like we got a knockoff oh. of these characters. Who was it? Razor. Who was it again? Tokar and Razor. Ah, see, I always remember Razor. I always forget the first one. Tokar kind of was, was the snapping turtle, Razor was the wolf. And I always felt like Tokar was uh, a riff or an homage on uh, Slash, who was Mikey's, in, in, in some iterations of the turtles, he's Mikey's pet, who gets mutated into a, a grotesque kind of uh, ugly turtle. But in other iterations, like the Archie comics, Slash is kind of like, he's an evil turtle from Dimension X with a black mask and gnarly pointed teeth, and he's got like Wolverine-style claws. Over time, I've come to appreciate those characters in Secret of the Ooze, but at the time, mm. I was just disappointed. Were, I agree. I it agree wasn't. Because everyone Bebop, wanted Bebop and Rocksteady. Rocksteady. Now we That's finally it. got him. We have. <laughs> or we did. <laughs> they moved on we from We did, but now we, cinematically we've got them after so long. If I'm saying that, they are in Mutant Mayhem. And I'm pretty sure yep. Seth Rogen voices Bebop. So you've got the all oh, nice. to look forward to. But in this movie, We've got Seamus as Seamus. 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 WWE wrestler. Yes. He is playing Ginger, Owen. Irishman. Yep. He's playing Owen Rocksteady Rocksteed, a criminal mm. partner of Bebop who was genetically mutated into a rhinoceros. Mm. Uh, Seamus also portrays Rocksteady's human form pre mutation. They are fun. They are so fun. In this movie, they work the really well. I love the chemistry. I love that he calls um Bebop Beebs. He calls him Beebs, and, they, and like, and, and he calls him Rock. Rock and Beebs are like the nickname for each other. And they're produced. They're responsible for one of my favorite lines in the movie as well. You think? I think you know which line it is. Visually, they look mm -hmm. fantastic. Human oh, yeah. form, uh. And when they are mutated, but the actors, the characters, the banter, the rapport, yeah, it is all there. I feel like this movie oh, yeah. absolutely nailed those Big characters. Time. And, you know, we got Shredder in that first movie. I didn't oh. know when we watched that first movie what they were planning with this movie. So, again, they went with the title 
out of the shadows and it does fit and it's spoken in the movie. Apparently mm. an early title for the movie was Half Shell, which why mm. I kind of like, you know, he was in a half shell. That works quite, yeah, quite that, well. That could have worked. But I had no idea they were going to lean so heavily into the cartoon and that we I were think... going to get Krang. Yeah. Who saw Krang coming on the back of that Krang. first movie? I know, right? A ruthless extraterrestrial life form equipped with a robotic prototype body who seeks to destroy earth and enslave the universe ridiculous the concept the look is just ridiculous in the cartoon in live action but you know what i love it having kang this film he's such a dick as well he's He's, such he's a freaking He's a freaking brain in an exoskeleton. In an and exoskeleton. just the way that he's hanging out of the, you know, the robotic an body. And he's like, yeah. me in. And he's just sort of getting punched in his face, just being squashed into oh, the body. Oh, yeah. God, but I love that they brought him to life cinematically. I thought that was pretty cool. They did a great job, but I did not see it coming at all again, even True. though we had Shredder and, you know, and the, the turtles in that first movie, I didn't know we were going to be looking at different dimensions and aliens and everything else. Yeah, yeah. They, on, really, they went big with this yes, they did. sequel and voicing, voicing Krang, Brad Garrett from yeah. Everybody Loves Raymond, Robert. Yeah. <laughs> Can you imagine if he had used his Robert voice as Krang? It would have been hilarious. Oh, man. I really like brad garrett in everything to be fair (laughs) a roman yeah did you know though right so obviously Mm -hmm. voices krang in this film is actually best friends with pat fraley who voiced krang in the 87 cartoon oh wow fraley personally endorsed garrett as krang when he was announced that is pretty cool like that first movie megan fox as April O'Neil, a Price reporter for Channel 6 News, who had befriended the Turtles in the previous movie, who now helps them fight the released Shredder and his allies. I've seen this movie a couple of times, and most recently yeah, same. for this movie. And I've missed every time. So when I was doing prep for this, this was news to me. Judith Haig, who previously played April in the 1990 movie, Mm-hmm. appeared in a cameo as Rita, April's boss. Actually, it's a deleted scene, so maybe that's why I've never seen it. I'm sure it's on the Blu-ray or the DVD. But, nice. But the original April from that 1990 movie, she appears in this movie, but it's... Wow, well, I missed that. And that's that's weird, because like I've seen this movie like you a few, a few times now, and I, I've missed that cameo every damn time. Well, I got to the end of the paragraph. It's a deleted scene, so <laughs> that's probably why... We've missed it, but I do. In fact, you know what? I've got a double disc Blu-ray. I reckon it's on there. So I'll go back after we finish recording, yeah, and I'll have a look. That's pretty cool. That's awesome. Megan Fox is good in this movie because she's really um showing you that she she's quite dynamic with her acting. Like it's she's not just some kind of eye candy sort of TNA that you you might think from the Ghostbusters, not from the Ghostbusters. What I'm saying from the Transformers movies. Uh, that Michael Bay also did. She's actually showing you that she's got some really uh, real acting chops and she can play a really good investigative journalist here. She's not just a pretty face. 
I agree. She's um, she's getting to do more in this. I mean, yes, she's using sex to sell her performance, but that mm. is April, not Megan Fox, who is using yeah. it. Like when she's trying to seduce Tyler Perry as Doctor. That's right. The train station scene, mm. and just those quick outfit changes like that. Yeah, it flows so that well. Did the feel case that here's my mark. This is what he likes, and now this is my new mark, and I'm going to change what I'm going to look like to seduce this person. That all works for me. And just yeah. with Tyler Perry, that nerdy laugh that he did, it, mm. it got me every time. He's <laughs> like, <Yeah. laughs> he just yeah, yeah, worked yeah. He's just... It's almost like Sherman Clump. It's almost Nutty Professor. Yes, man. Yeah, that's a good, good shout. And, you know, we yeah. all know Dr. Baxter Stockman. He's a mad scientist Stockman. and former worker at Saks Industries who allies with Shredder in the latter's aims to take over New York City. He was previously portrayed by K. Todd Freeman in the first movie. So... Mm. Unfortunately for Kate Todd Freeman, he wasn't Aspac, and instead they cast Tyler Perry with uh, obviously having it be a, a much bigger role. Mentioned Shredder a couple of times. Brian, Brian T. T, the leader of the Foot Clan, who now seeks revenge on the Turtles and allies with Grang, who was previously portrayed by another actor in the first film. But what we get from him here, I don't know... Shredder, I feel like, should be menacing. Like, you should be scared of yeah. Shredder. He was played for laughs in the cartoon. And although he tries to kind of stand up to Krang and to say, hey, mm. we can work together, but I'm not working for you ultimately. I'm going to yeah. have my own goals. It gets frozen and stored away. Yeah, but it gets stored away for a rainy day. Now, this is. Mm. Part two, they clearly were intended on making at least one more movie where they would have run about. Well, unfortunately, before the big battle at the end, he just gets frozen and just taken off. Frank just goes, Oh, you're going to be a nice little trophy for me. I'll freeze you and I'll put you in my little trophy room. Disappointing, but I think if they knew, if they knew they were only going to get two turtle films sharing this continuity, I don't think. They would have done Shredder like yeah, You're that. right. He's so much more formidable than than he's portrayed. I mean, I thought he was so menacing and intimidating like you want him to be in the 1990 Turtles film um, played by James Saito. And uh, even again, he reprises the role in the second film, Secret of the Ooze. Uh, then we get the weird Transformer Shredder in Michael Bay's first attempt. And that didn't sit well for me because even though the suit of armor looked intimidating, it was just too transformery uh at least with this movie they've toned it down a bit uh he doesn't have all the blades on him he just has a retractable gauntlet i would have liked to have seen more blades more evidence of why they call him a shredder he needs to look intimidating yeah we've been praising this movie for leaning into the cartoon mm. maybe not for shredder but again like they clearly had to defrost him in in mm. a sequel and I haven't come back, but as it stands, it gets finished up before the big fight, which is, again, disappointing. We've got Stephen Amell as Casey Jones. We all yeah, know Stephen Amell, Oliver Queen, Green Arrow, 
in the Arrowverse. And for the most part, he brought a lot of that to this. I do, I like the fact that I feel like we had our little corner of fandom mm. outside of the mainstream proper where we were able to watch these Arrowverse shows, whether it was Arrow, The Flash. So online, we would get to hear interviews with Stephen Amell, Grant Gustin mm. for The Flash. You know, we, we would get that, but you wouldn't like turn on like a main station and get an interview with Stephen Amell. Yeah. When this movie was hitting, that's exactly what we got. Like whether it was in the UK or here in Australia, like big radio stations were interviewing Stephen Amell for this movie. Mm, I was doing a lot of press for it. I was really happy for him. Like, do you know what I mean? Like you followed this guy for a long time, got to meet him when he came to Perth a few years ago, you know, really nice guy. And he went from Arrow at the time of doing Arrow, we did this movie. After Arrow was wrapped, he was doing that uh, wrestling show. I'm blanking on the name. It's on Stan here in Australia. You don't know what I'm talking about, do you? He did a wrestling show. Was it Rivals? I'm blanking. I think it's over. Point being, though, this was like him hitting the mainstream. And, And he was... It was really, you know, good, like, you know, being a fan of him, getting to hear him talk to, you know, big radio stations, TV stations. This movie didn't end up being the movie that everybody wanted to be. So, unfortunately, he didn't do too he much. He was good as Casey, But he was, yeah. Let's speak for his performance, yeah. I mean. <laughs> no, what happened after was, the fact. He was no Elias Curtius, but he was good. Heels. That's the name of the wrestling show, Heels. He was in, he's in, gotcha. he was in that show. But okay, so here we are in this film. It's a slightly different take on the character of Casey Jones, a corrections officer turned vigilante who wears a hockey mask and wields a hockey stick as a weapon. And he eventually mm-hmm. meets and befriends the Turtles and April. In this film, Casey Jones works as a police officer. This is based on the Turtles ally Nobody, a police officer turned vigilante. Nathan, can you confirm? Yes, that's correct. Okay, good. (laughs) That's just what I found when I was doing my my prep for this episode. I'd never heard of the character of Nobody before, but I thought you'd be able to fact check it for me. Live on the episode. Uh, Will Arnett... (laughs) Is back as Vern, the Falcon, yeah. Fenwick. Yeah, Vernon was a character from the original cartoon as well. He was somewhat of a nerdy, awkward cameraman. So it sounds like Arnett does that really well. Gives him a little more uh, charm and charisma and a little more confidence, but still has that kind of thing down pat. So he's not really deviating from the role too much. Yeah, but it's got like an element of celebrity in this movie where he's able to yeah. take credit for what the Turtles did in that first movie, and then he gets... That's the right, they give him the key to the, the Falcon. City. Yeah. And then eventually he goes on to assist the Turtles in stopping Shredder once again. Will Arnett... He concedes that, he concedes that he's not really the hero he's cracked up to be. He does, because that's the moment where the turtles come out of the shadows. You know, it's the yes. title of the movie. It's the movie's title. Huh? It was always going to happen. But we'll yeah. on it. 
is great in everything, whether it's Lego Batman, Arrested Development. Big, big fan of his. Whenever you've got movies like this, there's always one actor that's like one of these things is not like the other. Yeah. This movie. Laura Linney as police chief Rebecca Vincent. She doesn't do these type of films. She does dramas. She does serious films. But here she is in a Tittles film. She's stuck out like a sore thumb in this movie. But she's a very good actor, and she does, she plays the part very well. And the genuine yeah. shock and awe on her face when she sees the turtles for the first time uh, mm. works really, really well. She is the chief of NYPD who initially detests, but later allies with the turtles in saving New York That's City. Right. Now, as a turtles fan, and it struck a chord with me, and I'm sure it did you as well, when mm. the city stops and embraces the turtles and accepts them as allies to yeah. a great moment. Cause you know, we love turtles, yeah. but when characters in the world, like police chief Rebecca Vincent, when she's like, yeah, we need your help and we accept you. And here's the key to the city. Mm. It worked very, That's, you're going to feel, you're going to feel well. forced. Oh, okay. Yeah. And no, I worked for me. I thought it was, uh, yeah. And I thought it worked, um, really well. I did notice that there was, if we're looking at the design of the turtles, so going back to that first movie, we've talked about already that there's definite influences from the 87 cartoon. What they've done with the sequel is the the tone of the turtles. They've a lighter lighter shade of green. So they've they've Mm. definitely leaned into that more but other than that like i think the designs for the most part are still you know carried over yeah from that first movie well it's, it's like it's other influences as well like as well as you know you got the turtle van which is cool the music the music yeah. is what really makes you think of sure that cartoon from 87 yeah the, yeah the composer on this film is Steve Jablonski. He's worked with Michael Bay, you know, with the Transformers movies. He composed The Island, which I think is an underrated Michael Bay movie starring Hugh McGregor, Scott Johansson. It's a very good movie. Okay. But he has worked with Bay a lot, but then he's also collaborated with Peter Berg and fellow composer Hans Zimmer over the years. Jablonski composed a orchestral version of the turtles theme from the 87 cartoon to use in the film but the filmmakers couldn't find a place where it could fit instead they used a more contemporary version of the theme song in the closing credits but it's not just the 87 cartoon Mm. when casey jones is smashing up the bar ice ice baby by vanilla ice is heard on the jukebox and of course, Vanilla Ice appeared and performed Ninja Rap in Ninja Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2 Secret of the Views in 1991. So, nice a callback. lot of it, yeah, a lot of the callbacks is the music. Yeah. How they incorporated that theme from the cartoon, how they had the, the Ninja Rap. Loved all of that. Loved all the callbacks. 
Uh, I mean, this movie is essentially a live-action cartoon, a lot more than that love first letter. movie It's a love letter. It, a love letter it, to the cartoon. It really is, and and there's so much to like with this movie. Goes, but I find, I find like I enjoy the movie more than if I'm like, is it a good movie? I'm. I feel like if I'm asked, is it a good movie? My rating is lower than what it would be. Than did you enjoy this movie? Yeah, do you know what I mean? It's one of those weird movies yeah. where I can. I know what you mean. It's not the best movie, but, but do I enjoy you, it? Yes, I do. But if you're a hardcore fan, you're going to notice things and pick up on things that um, straight away that will, will inform you. I mean, in the original uh, comics, Baxter Stockman is black. In the cartoons, he's white. And what they've done in this movie is they've cast a black person as Baxter, Baxter Stockman, and that works because that's the original look of the character. So they're honoring the original comics um and even though the car baxter appeared in the cartoon he's he's you know depicted as a white guy in the cartoon so they're doing different things they're they're, they're referencing the cartoon hugely like you say but they're also going to the root of like the source material and making baxter a black guy like he was in the the old kevin eastman peter led comics so it works on on two different levels there you go well I want to know what you think about this movie. If you're going to rate it out of five. Yeah, I would come in at probably like 3.5. I want to say that maybe four. I'll say probably four. I'll go four because it's 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 enjoyable. It's fun. It's everything you love about the Turtles. Uh, it's It feels like the cartoon. Uh, it's, it feels like a love letter to the cartoon, as we said um it's also referencing the source material of the comics as i've just mentioned then in certain ways um so it's got that going for it as well and it's a fun time it's a fun time it's the turtles what's not to love the only thing that, that lets this movie down and, and stops it from getting a five is like as we as we mentioned the aforementioned um use of the shredder or disuse of the shredder as a plot device and the way he's so conveniently disposed of and yeah, I guess there are things with Krang that could have worked out a little, a little more, a little better. But other than that, it's just a fun time, man. I'd go four out of five. The first movie that came out in 2014, I do think is the better movie. But okay. my personal enjoyment, I like this one more. But I'm not going to go crazy. I mean... When I say I like it, it's almost like it, it's the greatest hits of Turtles. Like it's playing, it's playing all the things that you like that are familiar to you. I do like this film. I do like it, and it's disappointing that we didn't get a third entry. But I'm not mm. going to go crazy here. I'm going to give it a three out of five, which is absolutely, as we say in the podcast, I recommend. Yep. It, it's it's a fun movie. Is it a great movie? Absolutely not. Do things work? Yes, they do. Like lots of fun elements make up this movie and have it be enjoyable. But again, the first entry is a better movie. This is the more fun movie. But the fact that we've got Dimension X, Krang in this one, God knows what they were we've planning. Got Bebop for. And Rocksteady back as well. And Bebop and Rocksteady. So God knows what they were hey, planning. Come on, they're your selling point right there. We knew or we guessed that they would have planned on defrosting Shredder. Never happened. Uh, Mutant Mayhem, 
Nathan, go watch it. Treat yourself. I will. I will. I'm go watch that movie. We'll have to. We'll have to. We'll have to discuss that once I've seen it. Well, we'll talk it. about it off air. But I'm generally interested. Uh, what you what you think? Well, that's it for our episode. All about Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles: Out of the Shadows. If you want to contact us about this episode or request a topic for an upcoming show, you can find us on Facebook as Sounds Like Comics Podcast. Nathan, thanks for being on the show today. Thank you for having me. It's always a pleasure to have a chore. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next time.